For many years, the watchword from Homeland Security has been resilience when it comes to places where disaster could occur. The idea is if you can't prevent it, you can recover quickly. Hurricane Katrina reinforced the importance of supply chain resilience, dealing with potential disruptions in the supply of basics like food and water. Now FEMA has published a guide to supply chain resilience. Here from FEMA with highlights, Gene Shearer, Logistics and Supply Chain Advisor, and Nicholas Peake from the National Preparedness Directorate. Good to have you both in. Good to see you this morning, Thank you, Tom. Tom. Great to be here. Nick, let's start with you. Tell us about this guide to resilience. What's in it? And more important, who is it aimed for? Emergency managers and planners at all levels of government. We discovered after Sandy that we in emergency management, including at the federal level, had been looking at supply chain incorrectly. And we found, as we crunched data, that we had, in fact, been hampering a bit the private supply chain's ability to respond to communities during disasters. Especially after Harvey, Irma, and Maria, we found this to be an absolute fact. So this guide is a result of the lessons that we have learned that we can communicate to emergency managers and planners throughout the country to help influence their plans and planning at their levels. Sure, and I want to explore more about that idea of FEMA enhancing or hampering and how you learned about that. But, Gene, tell us, first of all, what are the main elements in the supply chain? Is it mostly food and water or trailers or or what? It's a great question, Tom. I'd, I'd like to start first by differentiating the two types of supply chains that we at FEMA focus on. The first is is the pre-disaster private sector supply chain. This is the normal supply chain that you and I get all of our food, all of our goods through, and is optimized uh, through the invisible hand and the economy to provide for the population's demands. The second one is the one that we operate primarily, and that would be the relief supply chain. This is the one that local municipalities, state governments, and federal governments do to kind of make up for the gaps that occur when a disaster happens. So they might stage materials like water bottle flats or blue tarp. Exactly. And, and there's several other items, but you hit a couple of them, key ones there. So there's, there's food and water, there's tarps, cots, blankets, and, and those, those things. Several uh, stockkeeping items that we stock in eight major distribution centers throughout the United States and several overseas. We have stocks in Guam, uh, Hawaii, and Puerto Rico. And we've upped Puerto Rico's stockages since uh, Hurricane Maria. But another thing I'd like to cover also is in the guide – Uh, The guide kind of has a five-step process that helps emergency managers walk through how to analyze the supply chain and do outreach to the the private sector to try to collaborate. And those steps would be uh, first doing the mapping and analysis like you've seen in any supply chain book. You map it out and you take a, a, a specific commodity like fuel or water or food and you map it out. Uh, then after that, you, you, you basically analyze it and you look for vulnerabilities. You conduct outreach and you reach out to the private sector entities that run those nodes within the local locality. Uh, and then you move into the action phase where you do exercises, uh, seminars, and actual engagements to, to make sure that you and the private sector know uh, what each other's capabilities are. And the, the last phase is just refinement over time. And, Nicholas, is it possible for FEMA or the federal government to maybe upset the supply chain by the fact of stockpiling so much? Because, like in the case of, say, Puerto Rico, nobody could have anticipated how many generators would be needed, 
how much blue tarp, I think some of it's still in place, how much wire and so on would be needed. You'd still need that supply chain commercially. Absolutely. Emergency management and, and government need to stockpile what they feel are a reasonable uh, number of essential commodities. But the private sector supply chain can heal itself much, much faster than government can even attempt to. The private sector deals with minor disasters every single day. They adapt or they don't make a profit. So the best thing that, the, that emergency management and, as FEMA is now saying, what we can do is to get out of the way of private sector in responding itself. In the case of Maria, it wasn't so much that we were stockpiling too much. It's that we had almost monopolized the transport between the mainland and the island, which prevented grocers and fuel distributors and water suppliers from getting what they needed to their distributors. We were acting on our common sense and experiential assumptions, but lo and behold, we had just gotten in the way and mucked up the natural recovery of business. We're speaking with Nicholas Peake. He's with the National Preparedness Directorate, and Gene Shearer is logistics and supply chain advisor, both at FEMA. And Gene, what are some of the steps you take to make sure that the right industry players are involved in this planning that you mentioned that might take place at the state and municipal level? And also maybe touch on some of the contracting issues, because that that comes into play, too, when there's federal, state, local commercial involvement. Absolutely, Tom. That, that's that's a great point. Um, and I think it's based on the locality and, and the level that you're operating at. If you're a, uh, a city player, a city uh, emergency manager, you're mainly focused on those actors uh, in the private sector that are in that city or that municipality. As you move up in the state and then regional level and to the federal level, obviously it becomes more integrated across the United States. And in most cases, there's worldwide integration of supply chains, as you know, based on on the experience that you've reported on. Uh, One other thing I'd like to highlight from Nick's uh, perspective in talking about the Puerto Rico experience, uh, shortly after that, FEMA commissioned a study with the National Academy of the Sciences to go and look, to, to bring in the experts, the pros from Dover and, and look at all of the aspects of supply chain and how the federal supply chain and the private sector supply chains interact with each other and in some cases actually inhibit each other. And that study is due to be finalized at the end of, end of this year, but the preliminary reports clarify what, uh, and, and confirm what, Pete, uh, what Nick has already said about the, us interfering, the federal level interfering with private sector. Sure. So, Nick, it sounds almost as if the federal government should basically leverage what's already in place in the private sector instead of commandeering it for the government in the case of a disaster. Combine with private sector to do common planning ahead of time. We just simply get out of the way and allow them to do what they do every day using information provided by both in real time to figure out the best response at the moment. And are we talking about places like Walmart and Costco, Walmart, Albertsons, there's a whole a whole list of major contributors. Yes, absolutely. All pharmaceutical and medical suppliers and distributors. Now, there's another point here. 60% of the pharmaceuticals in this country are transshipped by McKesson through Memphis, Tennessee. In the event of the new Madrid fault springing or cracking or quaking, that could bring a halt to 60% of the pharmaceuticals distributed throughout the entire nation. 
it's in the best interest of everybody for the federal government and state public health supplier uh, planners to work with the private sector now ahead of time. That is something that would be extremely local in one area, but would affect the nation as a whole. The exercise, Shaken Fury 19, is exercising a new Madrid fault scenario. So some of the things uh, that Nick has already talked about are going to be exercised. That's one of the means that I think you had asked previously, how do we enable the private sector? They will be participating in that exercise through calls and through the National Business Integration Center. The Madrick Fault, is that something that runs through Memphis that could cause an earthquake? Absolutely. Uh, It would affect eight states. It would affect the entire Mississippi, all transport across it, either by barge, boat, or pipeline. Uh, And uh, that would be truly catastrophic. But don't you think McKesson has a contingency for that? Ah, then we need to know what the contingency is so that we can calm our elected and appointed officials so that we can all make the best decisions nationally and at the state level. And here's the point. Government needs to plan ahead of time with the private sector, and private sector needs to be open to this. Government and private sector speak different languages. We know this. But since we are all responding to the needs of our common society, we can do this. It's just a question of practice at it. Everybody wants to have a good and stable society and to be able to respond quickly and effectively. And this is how we in government have learned to start doing it with private sector. And Gene, are this this type of resilience exercise, can this be done live tabletop type settings? Is that part of the guide also? It is. Uh, the guide talks about exercises as a means of, of uh, collaborating with the private sector. Um, it talks about um, other, other means also through seminars, uh, through uses of the business, uh, business emergency operation centers that I mentioned. Um, so the, the other thing I'd like to highlight, too, is, is, you know, the federal supply chain has an important role to play also, and it's usually targeted at the most vulnerable populations. So in, in big city, city centers, you have populations that are in food deserts that, that may not have a private sector supply chain associated with them, and, and so the, at the federal level, we're focusing more of our efforts on the most at-risk populations that are having the worst day of their life. And we're trying to make sure we, we support the survivors there. Gene Shearer is Logistics and Supply Chain Advisor, and Nicholas Peak is with the National Preparedness Directorate, both at the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to the Supply Chain Resilience Guide at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. 
The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.